0: Well, good morning. What a lovely morning it is. Uh, That song always reminds me that in Scripture we have pictures of what heaven looks like. And every single time, it is a worship service where God's people... Uh, the angels that were created for that purpose gather and sing, and uh, the picture in Revelation is of those that have be, been redeemed by God gather around, and they sing a song, and, and we actually find out what the song is, and it says that they gather around, and they sing the song of salvation. Salvation. And that that that's what heaven looks like. It is us celebrating God because of what he has done and who he is. Uh, So thank you for that time of worship. And and as nice as uh, this team sounded, you guys sounded even better. Uh, Because it's not even so much about the sound, it's about the heart. And so thank you for that. Uh, we are continuing in our look at the hard attitudes, and uh, so number five is is really about uh, serving and participating in ministry, and and, and yet this is so uh, counter to uh, who we are as Americans. Uh, consumerism is. Uh, Often described derogatorily as the preoccupation of society with the acquisition of consumer goods. Consumerism is the propensity to consume and to keep on consuming. And and the reason I bring that up is because that really does define a lot of our culture. We are trained by our culture to be consumers. In 2021, $285 billion uh, was spent in advertising in the United States. That's three times more than the amount that was spent in China, kind of the, the nearest advertising market the job of the advertiser is to convince you of your need for something and and, and even if it's kind of a new product, it's to, to train you that you need it. And and you might say, Well, that doesn't even make sense. Like, isn't that the idea of need that we recognize we need something? And then we, we look for it. And that's actually not what advertisers do. When they have a new product, they have to show, show you what the product is. And if you didn't know what it was, they would, you'd just walk away. But they have, to, they have to show you this is what it is and this is what it does and this is why you need it. I remember uh, just a few years ago when cell phones were relatively new And and I heard an advertising ad for a phone that had a camera on it. And I thought, well, why would you ever want a camera on your phone? And and those first phones that had cameras, the cameras were really bad. And that further convinced me that, that we did not need cameras on our phones and and i can't tell you how often walking across a university campus i see people uh on their phones not as phones but are taking pictures of themselves and others and everything everybody with an iphone thinks they're a photographer and they're facetiming people and and and, and like it's a video conference as You walk from one place to the other, and I couldn't imagine not having a camera on my phone because when I go to the grocery store and I pick something up for my wife, the first thing I do is to look and go, I wonder which one she wants, and I get her on the phone and I show her what it is, and she tells me which one that I need to get. See, could you imagine life if you didn't have... That, but, but we had to be convinced and shown what we could do with it. We don't work as being consumers all week long and then turn it off on Sunday. We must actively, consciously choose to not be customers when it comes to church. When I'm, when I'm traveling and I want to find a restaurant... Maybe you're like me, and you jump on uh, Yelp, and you find a restaurant. It's always a good idea, because then you find a restaurant you wouldn't have ran into. Now, we have eaten in some really incredible places all over the country because of Yelp. Before Yelp, you couldn't do that. Phone book, Yellow Pages. If you're younger, it was a book that you actually flipped through the pages and went, Restaurants. I haven't done that in in so long. I don't know how you would do that anymore without a phone. And yet, as many times as I have done that, not once have I attended a church after reading a Yelp review. Church is not the same kind of thing. My guess is we're on the same page here we're not here as customers, we're not here to be entertained, then why are we here? Why are we a part of church? You see, there's there's a lot of ways to think about church. And a lot of people do actually think about it those ways. They do think of church as entertainment. I showed up for a certain amount of time. They didn't charge me a cover charge. Uh, I didn't have to have a ticket. I could just walk in, and then I get to judge the quality of the music and the entertainment value of the sermon and the friendliness of, of anybody who seemed to work there, right? So, so church then becomes this, this entertainment venue, or, or church maybe as a, a club, a, a country club, or something like that. Well, I, I join just like a club, but, but really I'm a club member, and so I expect the benefits of being a member. And church isn't quite like that either. In fact, it's why it's so important to understand church as something totally different than anything else. It's not one of those businesses, and you could just kind of use that analogy to fit in and say, well, it's like that. That's why heart attitude number five, that I would participate in the ministry of the church. That's the important part. It's, it's that it is not something that i observe but something i am out now a part of matthew 20 verse 28 explains why jesus came it says even as the son of man came not to be served but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many From right there, from the very beginning, we see this picture of why Jesus is around. See, he's called King Jesus at times, but he didn't come then to be served as a king might be. The the picture of Jesus is one of a servant. Even though we we don't sing that song often, we sing about our Savior and Lord, He who is worthy to be praised. But He said it Himself, the Son of Man came to serve. And so we're to follow the example of Jesus and to serve his church. If you want a, an example to follow, that's a good one. Follow Jesus. Jesus set the example of service. We even have an incredible picture in the Gospels that Jesus gathered his disciples together and he washed their feet. And I know churches that do that. Maybe that's something you've participated in. And it, was, it was symbolic because as maybe as grossed out as other people's feet might seem to you, they are not as gross as people that walk everywhere wearing sandals and unpaved and, and roads. It, that's gross because the animals that went before them did what animals do. And, and Jesus said, let me get, make this incredibly clear. The son of man came to serve. He washed their feet. It bothered some of the disciples. Lord, you're not going to wash my feet. He made it clear that if I don't wash your feet, then then you really have no business with me. (laughs) And we appreciate Peter. He's like, well, then wash all of me. The example was set. This was a very new understanding of what Jesus as Lord would be. They thought of Jesus as as Lord and King who would come in and they would be there, his right-hand men. We'll be there with you, Lord. We're going to conquer this this enemy that that is opposed to our way of life. And he says, no, 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 that's not what's going on here. The son of man came to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Okay, you're saying that now, but that's not what we really think. Jesus says, just watch. And that's what he did. So the standard by which to be great in the kingdom of God was very different than what people were used to. In, in Mark 9, verse 35, he sat down the 12, right? He brought, he brought the, the believers together, the disciples, and he brought in the 12 and he sat down with them and he said, if anyone would be first, he must be last of all and a servant of all. Now you could picture them scratching their heads going, I don't understand how that works. Do you you really mean that that if we want to serve you and and be considered great to you, that, that our job then is to be last? How does that work? The standard for greatness in the kingdom of God is not the same as that of the world. In the culture, greatness is measured by power or prestige Yet in the kingdom of God, it's not measured in finances or education. Greatness isn't measured by the quality of your car, the size of your house, or the level of your IQ. In the kingdom of God, greatness is measured in service to the kingdom. That's a very different understanding. And and what, what ends up happening... Is that because we're in the world and in the culture and we've been trained that, that we value people that have more influence and more education and nicer cars and nicer houses and, and maybe they dress a little, little nicer, is that we kind of get caught up in, in having to intentionally not value them more. Instead, we have to take a step back like Jesus did and said, no, the priority is to value those that serve. That's what's important. In Proverbs eleven twenty five, 25, whoever brings blessing will be enriched. And one who waters will himself be watered. There's a sense that serving is the reward. Not I serve to get something, it's that, wait a minute, I get to serve the church. And that by serving, I'm rewarded by getting to do it. And that's what we were made for. The Apostle Paul told the church in Ephesus, he says, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. All right, this is not easy to hear, but we were created to work. And and yes, if you go into the book of Genesis and you read it, our labor, our work is harder because of the fall. Yet even then we were created for work. That was what God made us for, to do good things in the name of the Lord. Like so many areas of life, sin has corrupted it. And so even though we were created to do good works, then our work becomes the most important thing outside of doing it for the name of the Lord. We were created to work and to serve and to do good and celebrate God by doing it. When people tell me, I say, well, how was your week? And they're like, well, I, man, I, I worked hard and I'm tired. And I'm praise God that you got to work and serve him. Even, even though it, maybe it wasn't in the church, you got to, to work hard and represent him. So why do we serve in the church? We can't earn salvation, right? That's supposed to be self-evident. We can't earn salvation. Therefore, we're to serve out of gratitude and not compulsion. Since you can't do anything that would be good enough, that's the name of the book, right? How good is good enough? You can't be good enough. And so since salvation is a free gift in Christ, then why do we do it? We're left with gratitude, enthusiasm, because we get to serve God and say, look at what he's done for me. How could I not in return serve him? So how do we do that? What does that that look like? There are several passages that, that kind of enumerate the way we're supposed to step in and do this. Uh, the first one's in First 1 Peter 4, starting in verse 10. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another. As good stewards of God's varied grace, whoever speaks, as one who speaks oracles of God. Whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies. In order that in everything God may be glorified through Christ Jesus. To him belongs glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. So he gives two examples. He says, since you have been gifted. Right? You've been given a gift. You're supposed to use it. And he gives the two examples. He says the one that speaks, you do it as if you're speaking for God. If you're to serve, you do it as if the strength that you have is from God. Because it is. And so I was thinking about it this way this week. There's a a, a saying. I, I think it's one of those uh, uh, 1970s, 1980s sitcom kind of statements that you you can accomplish anything that you believe in. If you believe it enough, you can do it. Is that true? No. Yet it it appears. In so many areas in our culture that that that's what you're, if you're a parent, you're supposed to teach your kids that just, just do it. If you believe it, you can do it. And yet when I, when I read through scripture, my, my job isn't to, to tell kids, my kids or anyone else's for that matter, just believe it. You could do it. It's, it's no, how have you been gifted? How, How has God made you? How can you put those things into practice to serve the Lord instead of unrealistic expectations? So for me, it was an eye-opener that I wasn't going to play basketball for the Lakers for the glory of God. It took a little bit of time to realize it. It was me looking up at my friends. That that didn't help. And thankfully, nobody said, boy, if you just believe it hard enough, you can do it. No, instead, what I did is I looked around at myself and said, how did God make me? Who did he make me? What kind of gifting did I have? And, and, and I'll tell you, I can still make three-pointers, but not enough. And I was much better at, at doing other things. Maybe like some of you, I could do mathematical calculations really well. And I could use that for God's glory. See, whatever gifting you have, how can you do it to serve God? Some analogies that the Bible uses to describe the church really help us gain an understanding of our role in it. Uh, The Bible describes the church as the bride of Christ, that's helpful that it's a marriage in which each party has a part to play. The church is the family of God. In the family, every person has a job to do, at least if the family is going to function well. The church is God's house, or the church is the temple of God built on living stones. Where Christ is the foundation, the cornerstone, the Holy Spirit indwelling it. And you say, well, how does that fit in? Every part in the family, every person, every, every component of the structure has a job to do. Regardless of your analogy, your job is to get in and use the gifting you have, the specific unique gifting that God has given you to put into into place and function for the well-being of the church. We're to use the gifts God has given us to serve one another. And so you have to use that uniqueness that is you. What ends up happening is that God brings together believers that fit together to function and everyone working as they're supposed to for a common purpose. Paul writing about this, this analogy, this one's a little different. This is the church as the body with Christ as the head. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I'm not, don't belong to the body. That wouldn't make it any less part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body. That wouldn't make it any less part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But as it is, God has arranged the members of the body, each one of them as he chose. chose. If all of you were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. And so you you could picture Paul as he's reciting this. And people are reading it almost sarcastically, right? If the eye says, well, I'm not a part of the body. Whoa, can't even see. And, and, and I have joked often, I, I don't know that I'm even as much as a foot, maybe a, a little toe. But ultimately, every part of the body functioning together, and you know what happens, I'll tell you, as I get older, I know what happens when parts of the body don't function the way they're supposed to, right? There's problems for the whole body. And so the job of of every part, regardless of which part you think you are, is to use the gifting to function so that the body does what it is supposed to do. Every believer is to join with the church in its mission of making disciples. So not only there you are in your unique gifting, fitting into the body to to serve one another, but altogether the mission of the church is the same. We've been given a job to do. Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost. He said it. So then the job of the church, Jesus pulled them aside. He said, look, let me explain this to you. And so the last mission that he gave the church, recorded in Matthew 28, 19, and 20, Jesus said, to the church, right, to the disciples gathered, and thereby every believer afterward and the church itself. This is it. This is our job. These are our marching orders. He said, go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. So the mission is clear. This is called the great commission that we do it together and that this is why you have the gifting you have, right? This is why God made you the way you're made. This is why the experience of life that you have had has occurred, That you are uniquely equipped to be you, to fit into the body, to accomplish this mission. That we might go into all the world and make disciples. And it happens right here in Alhambra, on your campus, in your job, in your neighborhood, maybe even in your own home as you represent Christ and use that unique gifting to celebrate Jesus, to help make disciples. So so what happens is as you are going, okay, well, I I get it. My job is to serve the church, to make disciples, but how do I do that? I don't know what my unique gifting is. That's the the purpose of... A lot of things the church does is to train you. That's the job why there's a a board and there's uh, seminars. All of these things are to train you as disciples that you might be a part of the mission of the church to make more disciples. So I can't stress it enough that the purpose of the church As entertaining as it might be on occasion, as much as we might enjoy it on occasion, as much as we might go, you know what? That was one of my favorite songs today. That was really cool. That was impressive. I'm I'm kind of amazed by musicians that can play and, and people that can sing on key. This is great. Or... Or that that thing you said today that really made sense. And I I really get it as as much as that's it. Our job is to, to grow as disciples that we might be useful as we serve God to make disciples. And if maybe today you're like, you know what? I get it that's where I'm at. I'm ready to take that step. But but some of you maybe that you're okay, I'm not quite sure that I'm there yet. Maybe today is the day that you say, you know what? I need to decide to follow Christ for the first time. Or today, you know what? I, I've I've been a Christian but but I've kind of gotten off track. Then today is the day to say, yes, Lord, help me get back on track and if that's the case then i want to pray for you uh if if you're kind of new to this then let's just be clear we're all in the same boat scripture's clear all have sinned and fall short of the glory of god that means we're in need of grace And it was because of that and God's love for us, Scripture says he sent his son Jesus to die on the cross. That even though the wages of sin is death, the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. That in Christ we can believe, repent of our sins, and be saved. That's his promise. In fact, not only that, he promises that, that he will remember our sins no more. That's good news. And so if that's where you're at today, uh, I want to pray for you. So we're going to pray in a minute. We're going to pray for that. And then the other thing is I've got a couple of next steps. So first of all, if if you need to make a decision to follow Christ, then today's the day. If you need to make a decision to repent uh, where you've gotten off track and get back on track, then today's the day. And then listed there uh, that I would take the next step to serve others in the church. That, that might mean uh, talking to uh, one of those team leads and saying, how can I help you? How can I help set up chairs? Uh, how can I help serve? And then the next step today is to actively look for opportunities to share my faith. So what ends up happening is that when you trust Jesus with your eternity to forgive you of your sins, that, that you, you are saved, then He desires to work in you to reach others with the good news of what Jesus has done. So you look for opportunities. How can I share what I've learned about God with others? And and the incredible thing that happens is that when you ask God for opportunities to share your faith, you know what he does? He gives you opportunities to share your faith. And so I would encourage you to be looking for those opportunities to serve uh, here in the church, and then every aspect of your life that you would represent Christ by sharing the good news. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, we are... uh, we are blessed, not because we have earned anything by our work or our effort, but because of your love for us, we can be saved. Father, we thank you for the gift of Jesus Christ who died on the cross to pay for our sins. And Father, for each one here, if there's some today that need to make that decision for the first time or to recognize that they've gotten off, off track then today they would make that decision to trust you again, to follow you. Father, as we look for opportunities to serve, that we would take it seriously, that the job of every believer is to serve, to serve your church, to serve one another, and to proclaim the good news that Jesus Christ is alive, that he's not only the Son of God, but he's our Savior and Lord. And we thank you for your love and your grace. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.